Hello, everybody. This is our maiden voyage. We're just starting this. We don't know if we'll go anywhere. We're going with the name A Voice for the Voiceless. So we like to bring light to cases that matter, which is honestly, if you have a loved one who's been hurt or has disappeared, it matters to everyone. But my name is Kate. And I'm Emma. Hi, Emma. Anyway, so Emma is one of my best friends. We got to know one another, oh my gosh, almost a decade and a half ago while we were stationed overseas. We both had tiny little babies overseas (laughs) and we had dreams of being the perfect moms. And then as we grew with our children, we realized there's no such thing. (laughs) (laughs) There's really not. Um... I guess to introduce ourselves, I'll tell you a little about myself, and then Emma can too. Um, I got married very young at 20, and I've been with my husband for almost two decades. He's currently still enlisted in the military and stationed in a different state. So I'm alone with two teenagers in a state that I am not very fond of. (laughs) Um... I studied sociology. I've worked in education, which I'm trying to no longer do because (laughs) it's not very great. Um, Otherwise, that's a very little tiny layer of who I am. What about you, Emma? Well, I, you know how we met as a military spouse. I am no longer a military spouse, but I've been with my honey for almost two decades as well. I can't believe, I think it's just like a year difference between you and I. Yeah. <clears throat> I have two teenagers, two girl teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild ride. It is. It really is. And I live in the South. And I'm sorry. <laughs> different culture it is it's it's you know got its positives and negatives you know with any state really you know to be honest you know you <laughs> have a face <laughs> you're such a silver lining finder <laughs> i have my bachelor's in psychology and my master's in education and i currently still work in edu- i work in education and i currently still work in education i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day I'll be I'll be able to get out of it. <laughs> but yeah, just like you, I'm excited yeah. um, to start this journey with you. I know. Well, I love when I was in education. I I loved the kids and that part, but the politics and the bleh, all that other stuff was not not good. It isn't, and it's only getting worse. Yeah, and especially when you first start, you're not compensated enough to deal with all that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go to that. <laughs> if you guys could have seen her face. <laughs> we need to change the policies. We do. We do. Okay, so should I dive in or are you diving in? Who's diving in first? You were going to do your case today. Yeah, Remember? I'll do it. And I then. was just making sure. So... As you know, I looked up the Baraboo Bone Breaker case. I'm excited. Which, I've heard this before, but I, I'm excited to I hear did. it. Who did it? Was it Morbid? Who did this? I think it was Morbid that they've, uh, they did it. A Morbid? But and, 
Small Town Murder did it too. And oh, they did? Yeah. And I know for you, Small Town Murder goes a bit long, but it doesn't bother me yeah. because I'll pause them and come back. I don't, my ADHD brain doesn't care. <laughs> I will pause it and then forget to go back. <laughs> so I need the time. I know I've seen it on, and I wrote it down on here. There's a few uh, shows like on cable television, whether what's the uh, investigation discovery, or I think A&E was one I watched. A&E, I survived, had this person showcase too. And then the pod or not the podcast, the YouTube video I watched was called the misery machine. So this occurred in July of 1995 um, in Wisconsin, and apparently, according to the YouTube I watched, this area was known for circuses, which... Oh, really? Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I didn't know there was, like, a specific region or town known for circuses. So they just... Is it circus all year long? What does it mean to be known for circuses? That's what I didn't understand, and they didn't really delve into it, but... It looked like they showed a picture of, like, their main street or their town center, and it just looked like the storefronts and everything looked circusy. And I don't know if that was something of days gone by or if it's still a thing, hmm. but apparently they're a circusy area, or at least were. I would love to visit. Uh, no? <laughs> I don't, now it's got this, this bone breaker kid uh, hanging over it. <laughs> well, it was in 95. That's true. Oh, so, okay. It's Changed, right? Yeah. Changed. Well, I like this story because there's a survivor. His name's Thaddeus Phillips. Or do you think it would be Thaddeus? I couldn't decide if it's Thaddeus or Thaddeus, but he goes by Thad. I know he goes <laughs> by Thad, like it's his nickname. And, we'll just say Thad. Yeah. And in 1995, he was 12 years old. So what would that be? He's as old as us. He was born in 83 then. This is the survivor yeah. that you're talking about? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he fell asleep watching a movie or TV with his sibling on the couch on this evening in July of 1995, and he woke up to someone lifting him up and carrying him outside. And he didn't know who it was. In the A&E show I watched, he said that in his half-asleep state, he thought maybe it was one of his dad's friends and they had car trouble Mm -hmm. and they wanted help with their car. I don't know... If it's just me, but my 12-year-old self wouldn't be like, I'm helping an adult with a car. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a half-asleep, confused thought, mm-hmm. or or if he was just one of those kids that was always helping with cars. I don't know. But in any case, that's what he thought he was doing, was going to help someone with a car. And then he got put in the car and drove in a little ways away. And when- So he was like, sorry, he was picked up like... He was sleeping? Yeah. Like Like a baby, you're saying? Like, uh, from the way he described it on the A&E show, it was like he was like, just like if you had to carry one of your kids to bed. Like. And in his half-asleep state, he was thinking, oh, I'm going to go help somebody. Fix their car. Fix their car? Yeah, that's at least what he said on the A&E show. Okay. Which, I'm like, that has to be some confused half-asleep kid thinking, because. Yeah. (laughs) I would be like, who's taking me, picking me up? <laughs> yeah, and leaving the house with yeah, me. leaving the house. <laughs> but, so he, the older boy, who was uh, 17, I believe, put him in his vehicle, then drove him a little ways away to his home, brought him inside. By this point, Thad's awake. And the older boy is like, <clears throat> I'm having a party. We just have to wait for the other kids to get here. And Thad's like, uh, okay. And I don't know how all of this is not, like, alarm bells ringing at this point. <laughs> like, but. It, 
Was it in the middle of the night? Did you say that? Okay. Yeah, it's the middle of the night. And so the older boy, I wrote his name down somewhere. I can't, it's like I want to block his name out. Joe Clark. Joe Clark is the 17-year-old. He asked Thad, Joe asked Thad, do you like, like, uh, little model cars? You know, like the ones you, like, build? Mm-hmm. And, uh, Thad was like, yeah, sure. She's like, come up to my room and see them. And they get up there. And he's looking at them, and he's like, we just have to wait for the other kids to come to the party. And that's like, huh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I would be so suspicious at this point. I'll be like, run out the door. This is, <laughs> you picked me up, took me to your house, and now you're saying there's model cars upstairs? I mean. <laughs> so suspicious. Oh, and apparently, okay, so in the notes I wrote watching all these documentaries, apparently the house was very dirty, like covered in like discarded like food containers and bottles mm. and i imagine no one ever specified that Thad never saw an adult ever come around so i'm imagining like an older teenager living in a house they never have to clean it's got to be really gross mm-hmm. it's got to be super gross so once he got him upstairs and looking at model cars he uh broke his ankles i think like immediately so I think it was one to start with. And the way, like, Thad described it was, like, he took his foot and, like, twisted it to where, like, the... Like, imagine if you lay down and your feet go straight up. Mm -hmm. The one foot, like, went totally to the side. And not because, like, he turned his leg, but because the bone was snapped. It makes me so... (sighs) Did Did he tie him up once he got her him up there? Did he tie him up so he wouldn't run? No. So not, he just sat there and said, okay, break my bones? I mean, like, does it make sense? Uh, so, according to what Thad said, like, when, as time progressed and Joe continued to torture him, he would, like, hit and punch and do what he could. But Joe was, like, older and bigger. And plus, at this point, Thad has however many broken bones, so he can't mm-hmm. do much to defend himself. Like, it's so much discomfort and pain, I imagine. And Joe explained to Thad that he just likes the sound of cracking bones. He just wants to hear what bones sound like when they crack. And at one point, Thad asked him, why don't you break your own bones then? And Joe said, I've tried. I just can't do it. Well, you know why you can't do it, Joe? Because psychologically, we don't like pain. (laughs) It inhibits you from doing that to yourself. Like... (laughs) (laughs) The amount of pressure and force and everything else it would take to do that to yourself, like, you just, your brain won't let you. So, at some point, Joe left to go do something. And it was really weird, because between bone-breaking sessions, Joe would, like, put socks and wrap Thad's legs and whatever, like, almost like he was treating him. Oh, really? And then, like, carry him downstairs and be like, let's play video games. Like, they were just friends hanging out. That is psychological torture right there. That's crazy. I'm going to break you, fix you, you know. Yeah, and we're going to hang out and be buddies. (laughs) (laughs) But, so, uh, at one point, Joe left, and Thad thought, this is my chance. So, he threw himself down the stairs to try to get out, find a phone, whatever. But he couldn't, like, walk down the stairs. He's got broken stuff going on. So, once he's thrown down the stairs, he passes out from all the pain. 
Oh, poor baby. I know. And before he can do anything, Joe is back. And Joe is enraged. So he holds him up against, I forget if it was like some sort of piece of furniture or a counter, and snaps his thigh. <sighs> oh, disgusting. Ugh. Can you imagine the pain? I can't even imagine the pain. Uh, poor guy. So, according to, like, some of the stuff I watched, the femur, which is the femur, that's the one in your thigh, right? Yeah. I yeah. believe so. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm not in education and we don't. <laughs> anyway, it's one of the strongest bones in the body. So, imagine the strength it took to snap that bone. Oh, my goodness. And the way they, like, described it on the A&E show was, like... He took his leg and, like, pressed it up against his shoulder until the thigh bone snapped. <sighs> yeah, I know. It's so gross. But uh, Thad was in so much shock and so terrified, he said that he didn't really initially register all the pain. So I guess maybe that's something good. Mm-hmm. I, I guess if you can find anything good out of this. And he said that each time Joe broke a bone or hurt him, he'd have, like, Joe would become, like, calm and serene and, like, go back to, like, nursing him and wanting to hang out. Every time? That's, I don't know if every time, but often enough that Thad, like, brought it up in his interviews. And registered. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I can't even, I can't even, like you said, that's psychological torture. So, um, during all this torture because I don't know what else you would call it, uh, Joe would allude to another boy he did this to. And mm-hmm. he knew the boy's name. It was Chris Steiner. And he was also, you know, like 12, 13 years old, much younger. Mm-hmm. He did not live. And mm-hmm. Joe said that he threw him in a river. Um, I forget, which river is it there? Uh, the Wisconsin River, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he said he, I broke his legs, and he wasn't, not dead when he threw him in the river, but he couldn't swim with broken legs. So it's essentially he threw him in a river to drown. And drown. Oh. Yeah. So, and that's what Chris uh, Steiner's body was found in the Wisconsin River. And uh, autopsies do not, I guess, initially uh, do any sort of like x-rays or anything. So mm-hmm. the initial autopsy just said he drowned because his lungs were filled with water. So it wasn't until Thad escaped and reported all of this that they exhumed the body to look for broken bones. And then that's when they knew. And Chris was right before Thad. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much before, but he was before Thad, yeah. And Joe would also allude to other victims, although there's never been, like, evidence or bodies or anything found. So he's never confessed to anybody other Mm -hmm. than... I guess, like, uh, when he was initially arrested, he would talk crap in the the holding cell or whatever like criminals mm-hmm. do but nothing's ever been substantiated as far as i'm aware okay so um once so how uh thad survived was once again uh joe went to go out with his girlfriend to a party or something like that i believe and after thad had previously tried to throw himself down the stairs and escape and that enraged Joe. So Joe locked him in his bedroom closet and barricaded the door somehow. And 
then went to go out wherever he was going. Uh, Thad waited for Joe to leave, and he found something in the closet. I can't remember what. I feel like it was... Goodness, I can't remember what it was, but he found something in the closet he could use to, like, break the paneling on the door. And once he broke through the paneling on the door, he could reach out and, like, unlock the knob. He got out, and he started the process again where he, like, crawls out of the room, throws himself down the stairs, and, you know, immense pain. He's got Mm -hmm. multiple broken bones and everything. And so once he's thrown down the stairs, he passes out. He comes to, he, like, crawls towards the kitchen. Thankfully, in the kitchen, they had a wall-mounted phone, you know, circa, like, sitcom 1990s. (laughs) Well, Mm -hmm. it was the 90s, so perfect. And it had a cord dangling down long enough where he could reach it, and he yanked it down. And thankfully, rather than the dial pad being mounted on the wall, it was on the handset. So he was able to dial 911. And he called, and he's like, this is my name. This is what is happening. This boy named Joe Clark, blah, 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 blah. And the dispatcher was like, oh, we know him, because he'd been in trouble for things over, like, not torture or kidnapping, but things. So they knew him around town. And they're like, we know exactly where you are. We're coming. And the first responders get there, and they were absolutely flabbergasted at the state of this 12-year-old boy. Like, his feet were nearly backwards. His legs were, like, swollen to the size of watermelons. It was just insanity. And then, so, of course, they get him on a stretcher and get him onto an ambulance and get him to the hospital. And the physician at the hospital said he was two hours away from death. From, <sighs> yeah, from so much, like, internal bleeding and, and infection setting in. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah, to this day, he still walks with a limp. Like, how could you not? Honestly, how would you not? But um, Joe Clark was sentenced to... 100 years and he he didn't plead out he didn't he pled no contest like what's his defense honestly and he was barred from see this is where i'm confused because i read or listened to two conflicting things one thing i heard said he was barred from profiting from this crime but then another thing i listened to said a judge allowed him to profit from the crime so that way thad would have the opportunity to strip him of those profits and like get Mm -hmm. money from him so Mm -hmm. I don't know. If anyone knows better, they can correct me. Um, And then in regards to the murder of Chris Steiner, which they did verify was also uh, Joe Clark's crime, he was sentenced to life. So life plus 100 years at 17 years old. So 100 years for the attempted murder of that. Mm -hmm. And then 25 years for the murder, 25 years to life. No, just uh, life. As far as what I listened to, straight up life for Chris Steiner. Okay. Why was it 100 years for attempted and only, you know, what is life to... Um, well... I guess life could be up to, you know, however old you are, yeah. I guess. So, I think sometimes sentencing is, like, symbolic. Like, mm-hmm. you were so heinous. Like, just sit there and think about, like... You're not going to outlive this sentence. You won't. Mm-hmm. There's not... You're not getting out. And sometimes it also depends on, like, the degree of the crime. Like, first degree, second degree, third degree. There's parameters that uh, the DA's office has to follow. Mm-hmm. And 
So I don't know what Wisconsin has, but some sentencings I do believe are symbolic. Like this was so heinous, so it doesn't really mean much in actuality, but you're not getting out for a hundred years, 200 years, whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's my opinion. And maybe there's more exacting legalities that I'm not aware of, but. And he's still incarcerated. Yeah. Or... So how old is he now? He's like our age. Uh, well, he was 17 and 95. Oh gosh. He's got to be into and almost in his fifties, mm -hmm. his late forties. Yeah, he's, he's got to be in his late 40s. He's never profited from this story? Uh, I'm not aware of if he's published any. I do think when I was looking things up, like, online, I feel like there's a few interviews, like, you could find, like, on YouTube. But I don't know if he was paid for them or just answered questions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Has he ever shown any remorse or he... So I personally chose not to watch his interviews because he is so heinous to me. I was, I know you and I watch and listen to so much true crime, but he just <laughs> is such a creepy creep. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I can stomach watching him. Uh, okay. I was wondering if there's any kind of you know, article saying, you know, he regretted and so what the, he did. The few things I read and watched, they didn't, they focused a lot more on Thad, which I guess I can respect. That makes yeah. sense to me. And he seems to be doing well. I think he has, like, a family now. He's around our age. He still lives in in the same area, which is amazing to me. I'd probably have wanted to eat out of town as soon as I could have. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like, yeah. so go him. And he, I think he walks with a cane. He, like I said, he still has a limp, but how could he not have, you know? Yeah. I mean, every his legs, right? He, they never got... He never broke his arms. I'm not that I'm aware of. I know there was a point where he laid Thad on the floor and like would run and jump on him like a like if you're doing a cannonball into a pool, he'd like <laughs> run and do that on Thad. So I'm amazed like his spine or something wasn't more wounded. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That poor baby. I know. Uh, Ugh. I, I As a mother, I just <laughs> I would want to drag Joe Clark out of that prison and wallop him, but that's not our justice system, which is probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? It was an eye for an eye the whole time. It would be wild, wild west. <laughs> It'd be bloodbath with all those angry mamas out there and daddies. Oh, well, I'm glad that he's recovered and I know, and he seems to be doing well. Anyway, like I said, I watched The Misery Machine on YouTube, which was, uh, I don't know if they're solely true crime or if they do, like, spooky stories, too, or what, but I watched them. That was the first time I watched them. They were pretty informative, and I also watched Annie's I Survived, which also features a couple other stories on the same episode. So, if you look it up, be prepared, and trigger warning, one of them has essay in it, so... And you also listen to podcasts, right, to help mm, you? With I, I have heard this on a few podcasts in the past, but I didn't re-listen to them for this, so I didn't want to oh, okay. specifically reference. Uh, one I listened to, like I said, I believe it was Morbid did one on him, and Small Town Murder did one, which generally, Small Town Murder does not have survivors. This might be one of the only ones where they had a survivor. And I mm -hmm. remember... Uh, John was actually home from being out of state and we fell asleep listening to this small town murder and I jerked awake when they're like, and then they snapped his thigh. And I was like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> I was so like flabbergasted and horrified by the torture this child was going through. 
Anyway, so that was Thad's story, and I know he's a survivor, and we're going to cover a lot of stuff that does not always have a survivor, sadly, but I kind of wanted to start with with a minor triumph, even though it was still a tragedy. Um, we, yeah. we will be back again next week. One of us will have a wonderful tale to tell. Wonderful is probably the wrong word, but we'll have a tale to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely have a story. How about that? <laughs> we'll be ready for you. Okay. See you next time. Bye. Bye.